going. So, first of all, um, we are a little light, but, you know, God has His ways and He knows, knows what He's doing. So, we uh, are entering into our second uh, uh, week on uh, um, part two of uh, our joy being pressure tested with trials. And uh, um, our questions for the day um, that um, a couple of groups have kind of interacted on, but we'd love to hear from you all that just joined us. Um, if you were here last week, uh, share a few of the greatest insights that you learned or re- were reminded of regarding trials from if you happen to be here last week. Um, what were some of those things that maybe you um, heard about um, trials last week? Maybe let's just share a few of those if we could. I'm going to try to capture uh, as many comments as I can you know, for people who might be listening on the Internet and stuff too. So, um, what, what, what are your, uh, What's your input on that? Reminded that we should not surprised. Okay, not be surprised. Um, we're going to have to absolutely. Um, um, so we shouldn't be surprised. Okay, good. Um, what else? Trials help to refine and mature. Okay, trials help to refine us and mature us in Christ. Okay, good. What else? God's loving will. They originate from God's loving will. So talk a little bit more about that just for a second. What, what is, how can trials originate from God's loving will? Okay. Okay, so he's in control. And, and, and somehow, if you remember, we, we talked about the necessity of trials, right? And we're going to kind of review that again, too, just for a quick second. Um, so, okay, good. Anything else that you just were really was on your mind on this one? That really broke through in your mind? Yeah. Last week was great because of the shoulder problems that I needed. Um, so, so it had a twofold, just just realizing that that isn't completely important than just getting to the end. The other thing is I have an, an Austin who has been diagnosed, found it in her lungs, but said it is not source, so they went looks and They have a Catholic church their whole lives, and so they have reached out to their Protestant family if you know anyone else like that, and so their cry out has been, uh, it's, just, it's this huge mission field. But anyway, I was able to take the notes from and wow. I sent this email last week talking about the trials that we're going to go through. God is still God and He's on the throne. And, and just that, you know, I would be praying for the things that were on that sheet. I was able to, they will see their need for a Savior. This isn't a faith that happened upon that, that you know, they go to the parish and then they feel praying for the opportunity to help God is bringing them closer and they can, they can draw close to Him in their living room or anywhere that they can go to His closeness. So this is awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, any other thoughts? So the question, next question I asked was, what do you think are some of the possible negative and possible out, uh, positive outcomes that we can see or realize in our lives due to trials? In other words, like the point here is, okay, there's two streams, right, that, from our responses. Like we could respond wrongly, right, and therefore you're going to have some outcomes that are negative, right? You're gonna, you can respond uh, biblically is the word I'll use, right, and you'll have outcomes that will be positive, um, <clears throat> So, t- talk for a second about what what are some of these possible negative outcomes first. Some possible negative outcomes: bitterness, okay, anxiety, frustration, anger. What else? Turn to self. Amen. Loneliness. 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 Yeah. I mean, you, uh, I don't know about you, but when I'm in this place um, personally, um, th- my whole life is just about me. It's about circling around me. And the universe of my soul is me, not anybody else. Um, okay. Um, I think, too, last week about God is refining in each one of us. That it's, it's God's refining. Amen. That can be very <clears throat> negative from the standpoint of displaying that, that it's not as looks like as he would like. So incredibly transformational. Incredibly positive. positive. Yeah. And, and credi- incredibly redemptive. And I think the, one of the big, big picture items just flowing out of last week, for me at least, was the redemptive nature of suffering and the redemptive nature of, 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 of trials in our life. And that hope springs eternal from purpose. And that context gives us a broader picture than what is going on in the here and now. Because there's always the then and there. So, <clears throat> really important. Really important. Um, so, um, positive outcomes. Peace. Joy. Joy. Closer relationship with the Lord. 
compassion. Isn't that interesting? We read that First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter one passage, right? Yeah. What else? Comfort. 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 And then you can so God gives us the purpose of going through it to just. And he, it's fascinating to me that it's not. He doesn't say like, okay, in in the specific issue that I took you through, you can go and minister to others. His point is. I took you through one, okay? Now you got it, okay? Go, go, go minister to everybody else who's going through everything else that, 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 that's un, under the sun. You know, it's not like as though we have to have all the answers. The answers are, we learned it once. Let's go minister. Um, what else? Okay? Um, <clears throat> so, any, any, posi- any, any examples of either positive or negative uh, in, in scriptures? People, how, how they navigate trials? Thoughts? Go ahead. Abraham, yeah. Sarah. Yeah. Abraham, Sarah situation. Okay. Is he the study of Ruth? It started out with Elimelech making his Isle. Such a time as this. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Others. Okay. Um, and, and so these these last two, I'm going to um, hold on, and we're going to pick these up um, as we go through our time and at the end of our time together this morning. <clears throat> Would you open? Uh, I'd like to open our time in prayer, if I could, and ask you to pray with me. Father, we thank you for this morning, and we just pray that your purposes in our lives would be um, immeasurably transformed as a result of this morning. Father, we, uh, th- th- this material, this information that you have, through your Spirit, have laid on Peter to share with us, and what may be the dawn of... Um, Difficult times, Father. Um, we just we we can't help but uh, come to you and ask you to change the way we think, um, Father. I just ask that you would be glorious in our uh, in the moment in our, in our time together this morning. I pray that you would be lifted up and exalted. I pray that you would accomplish great things because of um, your purposes and your will and your word through your Spirit. And we ask this in, in, in anticipation, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, I had the chance to uh, visit at length with um, Carl Carl yesterday. Yeah, he's home now. And uh, he's uh, um, challenged, obviously, with where things are at. Um, but, uh, and the doctors really don't have really good clarity. Um, he is... He is, he is skinnier um, than I've ever seen him before, really, and uh, just having a hard, very difficult time. Um, so, in, in the same way, had the chance to really just really talk through the uh, last week's um, lesson to get together with him and really talk about a broader purpose, broader context than what's going on, because in, in and of himself, he has no hope. Uh, he hasn't got hope. But yet, in Christ, in purpose, in this that we are talking about, in the living hope that's reserved in heaven for Him, in all of the purposes and nature of, of, of what we talked about um, um, last week, He can have hope. And so it was a, just a great time to just minister together and just really cry together and pray and everything together um, and minister one to another. So that was really valuable. Um, well, if you've been with us, we are kind of in First Peter verses six through nine, and we are moving into talking about our past. Um, in the future, we'll move into chapter two and talk about the present, our testimony, and then into our future, remembering our living hope. And uh, um, last week, we talked about the nature of trials, and we talked about the, our response to trials. And so um, this week, today. Um, Again, the three-part study is really going to be about pressure testing our joy in the midst of trials. And so, um, when you think about today's uh, time together, it's really going to be about the possible outcomes due to trials. And, and why I said possible outcomes, I, I don't want you to miss it all the way through our time together today. It's what we talked about this morning. There are two parallel decisions in our lives as we go through trials. And you're going to see this in all its yuckiness and all its glory as we think about how we go through trials. And most of us end up in the yuckiness, okay? I'll I'll 
speak for myself, okay? And until I was, I'm, I'm in the middle of transforming how I think about these things, um, then all of a sudden, you know, I, I can move to the place of thankfulness. I can move to the place of joy. I can move to the place of having a bigger picture than what's going on in my life. How many people in this room right now are in the midst of a trial right now? Raise your hand. Hi, I want to see it. Okay. How many people in this room have just come out of a trial? Raise your hand. Okay. So I just want to let you know, all of you who didn't raise your hand, get ready because you're going to go into a trial. <laughs> okay. <laughs> get ready. And so everything we have to say here is going to be about ministering to you ahead of the game also. Ministering to, it, to you in the middle of ministering to you and learning from people who've just went gone through, ministering to you in advance of the, of the need that exists. And not all about you, but what I've found is that God prepares us for that which is coming. God prepares us for that which is coming. So then we'll finish up uh, the week after uh, Easter um, with uh, um, our conclusions about trials. And uh, I just have prayed and prayed and prayed that this series is going to... Um, have huge ramifications in our souls. This this passage, 6 through 9, literally is the foundation, the cornerstone upon which Peter writes the entire book. And he sets it out on the front end, and he begins it with what we started with last week, 1 Peter 1, 6. In this, you greatly rejoice. Even now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So last week, really quickly, we talked about the nature of trials, the length and the timing of trials. We, we said they're for a little while. And that little while could be um, until um, this life is over, or it could certainly be a season. It could be, um, interestingly enough, until my perspective of being distressed is over. Um, we saw that our approach to trials, you know, uh, is that we shouldn't be surprised, as, as we just said a second ago. Um, we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, Linda said, you know, uh, Peter says, you know, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that comes upon you as, as if somehow, um, you know, God is out of control or something. Uh, don't be surprised. Um, the purpose of trials last week was that they're necessary. When we talked about being necessary, we said literally, God is the one who's determining if they're necessary or not. The very fact that I'm in the middle of one or coming into one, is God saying that it is necessary in my life. You will not have good outcomes if you push against that in, in, your, in your heart. You will not have a good outcome. Because you, your decision of your heart will, will measure the outcome of what's coming as a result of it. God has His purposes. It is either to grow me, or it's to make me a testimony to others, both of which have redemptive capabilities in, in, in this life and for the next. <clears throat> the impact of trials, by their very nature, because they're trials and, 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 and challenging situations, are going to distress us. That's the, that's the normal, natural approach that's going to happen. Um, and we said the types of trials are just various. They're, they're multidimensional. They're multifaceted. Uh, they're, they're, they're wide in diversity. They have um, uh, many kinds, many sizes, many colors. Um, but they really aggregate up into two main areas, situations and circumstances and, and challenging people, relational relationships with people. Those are the two components. You know, I, I, I know I, I got a chance to talk uh, you know, this week with a few of you um, offline and just, just what God's doing about these things in your life. Um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it, it was just awesome to watch what God's doing um, in, in our midst. Um, so, so stand in there. Uh, steady on. Um, press on um, in, in the midst. Um, and he says in this, and what is the this here he's referring to? It's our living hope. And we said our living hope really has, has these five dimensions to it. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. It will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for us, and it's ready to be revealed in the last days. What does that mean? It means that it is fully developed. It's fully completed, and it literally is imminent. It's imminent. Okay? And then we said our, our response to trials is that we should greatly rejoice. And Peter says that we should exalt or make glorious in our trials, not because of our trials, but because of what God has laid up as our living hope. That's a big difference. 
It's a huge difference. And he says that we should be supremely happy and exceedingly glad as a result of going through. And, and so our joy is not based on our circumstances or our feelings. It's anchored deep in the spirit, spiritual uh, confidence in God and God alone. And that um, our joy is, is realized when we make a decision in our life. Uh, we're going to learn more about that today. But, but as I make a conscientious decision in my life, um, we're going to find out how faith actually comes into existence. Um, but that's how our joy is realized. It's by an act of our will. It's realized when we trust and obey God. It comes from, God, from the Lord. It is our strength. Joy, is our Lord, joy of the Lord is our strength. It's affirmed when we worship Him with all our heart. And interestingly enough, it's cultivated when we live in purity and integrity before the Lord. That's how it's cultivated in our souls our joy. Okay? So with that, I want to move to our objective, our learning objective for today. And our learning objective is that we would learn the possible outcomes that trials can have in our lives and decide ahead of time which ones we will choose to realize. So this is at the top of page two in your handouts. If you want to keep track here, we would learn the possible outcomes of trials can have in our lives and decide ahead of time which ones we will choose to realize. Which ones we will choose to realize. <clears throat> I think of that uh, momentous situation with Joshua, or even, uh, was it Elisha with Baal's? Elisha, uh, Le- yeah. Um, where he says, you know, choose, choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day who you will serve. Um, and, and, and that's really the, the message coming out of our learning objective today. Choose today because of what we're going to walk through, which outcome you will have in your, in your heart, in, in, your, in your life. Choose today. Choose ahead of time. Be ready when. <clears throat> would somebody, um, Brian, would you read verses 7 and 8 here? With the proof of your just perishable fire may be found to result in praise and glory, revelation of Jesus. Though you have not seen of him, Okay, I told you last week I was going to cover verses seven through nine. I'm not. <laughs> I, we couldn't figure. I, I, I couldn't get it done. Okay, so uh, you have to forgive me. Um, but next week um, we will hit verse nine and then conclusions about um, our trials in our life. So um, today we will end up going through six specific. Um, possible outcomes in our souls and our lives as to um, navigating trials in our life. Next week we'll pick up two more and finish with the conclusions, okay? So, possible outcomes due to trials. Um, <coughs> Brian's read it at the beginning of verse 7. He says that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire. Even though tested by fire. So the first out- possible outcome... Uh, uh, in our lives due to trials is that my confidence in God can be strengthened in trials. My confidence in God can be strengthened in trials. Notice that all six of these that we walk through today actually will have this word can. And I did not use the word our here because I wanted to bring it home to me personally. And I'm using the word my, uh, uh, I, my, um, first pronoun um, situation because that's that's what it's being that's what it's doing in me personally um, and I wanted to just talk about that so my confidence in God can be strengthened in trials okay got it um, so trials um, we think of turn to verse chapter four verse twelve if you would. Um, chapter 4, verse 12. Would somebody uh, read this for us? 1 Peter, 1, 1 Peter 4, 12, verse 12. Beloved, uh, which is to try you as though... Okay, as though some strength... Uh, which comes upon you for your testing or for your trials. And, and so, what do trials do? They demonstrate uh, two things. They, they test us in these areas and they demonstrate... Um, uh, uh, these things in our life. Um, uh, and so they, the va- validity, the character, the value, the maturity, and the quality of our faith. L- talk, talk to me. L- let's describe what each of these means. What does the validity of our faith mean? The, 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 truthfulness. the truthfulness of it, okay? The, the, the existence of it, right? 
the existence of it, the truthfulness of it. The historicity of it. Yes, definitely. <clears throat> um, what about the character? What does that mean? What does the character of our life mean? Of our faith? How we deal with it. Uh, Paula? What it's like, okay? It's nature, right? It's nature. Okay, good. Uh, it's the value of our faith. What's that mean? What it's worth. It's preciousness. It, it's degree of value, right? It's degree of value. Um, okay? Um, what does maturity mean of our faith? How it can grow. How, how, how grown up it is, right? How complete it is. Um, yeah. Um, it's maturity. And then what about our, the quality of our faith? What is that testing? <laughs> it almost is testing all the rest, isn't it? But, but, but quality deals with resilience. It deals with... Uh, the word quality would have to do with, with its, its rightness. So its rightness is only measured in what? Its degree to closeness to God's character and His faith. Faith, faith comes from God, Right? It's a gift from God. So, the, so the, the, the closest it is to being Christ-like is, like, is, is, how that, is how that trial is moving my faith towards. So all five of these areas are what trials, not just pressure test, but actually end up demonstrating. So when we navigate a trial not well, what is it demonstrating in our life? The quality, the nature of my faith. That it is what it is. It is, that is the way it is in my life. And so, I've always said, don't measure a man, don't measure a woman when things are going well. Measure a man or measure a woman when things are not going well. Because that's when their true character, quality, value, validity maturity of their faith is demonstrated. Okay? Uh, the word proof here says the proof of your faith okay, was used to demonstrate the assaying of metals. What does the word assaying mean? That's a big word. We don't use it every day. Pardon me? Okay. Uh, assessing the content of, right? Assessing the content of, right, exactly. Okay? So the flame, <coughs> the flame discovers gold's purity. It discovers the gold's purity and determines its true content and worth. So the flame of the fire discovers, I'll call it smokes out, <laughs> smokes out, if you would, the, the gold's purity and it determines its true worth and content. Um, the value of gold is realized in smelting away all of its impurities. All of its impurities. Or what we call useless dross. It's the stuff at the top that they just skim off the top um, of, of the gold to, to, to realize the purity of the gold. So talk to me for a second about like how that, what's happening, if you use that as an analogy or, or, or a metaphor of, of trials in our lives. What, what's, what is that, what's happening then if, 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 he says, more precious than gold, which is perishable, which is being put to the test and, and, and being refined. What, what are trials doing in the same way then in our lives? Smelting away all its impurities. Smelting away all the impurities. Good job. Yes. That is what's happening. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not so good for you. Yeah. And, and there's all the process of going through that in your own heart. I mean, I, if I... When I'm confronted with those things and I'm, I'm having to deal with them, what I'm finding is like, man, what, what if I had come to this realization before this? You know, here I am, I'm whatever, you know, 40 years as a believer, 45, 50 years as a believer now, um, and, uh, um, and, and yet God has more dross in my soul. And, and, and that has to get figured out. And work through personally, Paula. And I think it's not just it is. Yeah. 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 Amen. Amen. And and so it's the it it, it doesn't have. You remember the branches that 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 the you know the the master farmers pruning right? I mean, it doesn't mean that they're 
bad. It just means they're not valuable. They're not profitable. They're going to suck life out of the things that matter most. So I think that's a really good point that you're bringing up. Yeah. I mean, really be a Yeah. Yeah. That is huge, and it, and it might not be very. It might not feel very good. Yeah. Yeah. What a great image. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> That's an awesome picture. Did everybody hear that? So, so the process is such that it's not the flame, it's not the temperature, it's not the time, but that um, you know, the test of, of true value and purity is, is the master craftsman, the master um, you know, smelter um, you know, being able to see his own you know, face in that uh, clear, clearly. And you see that as being you know, God's face. Um, so God proves us um, not to see who is a true believer I want to pause for a second here because I think I think people who have this have grown up in this culture of 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 having of work works um, somehow come to these situ- this situation and see God as um, an ogre, see God as uh, doing negative things in my life, and. Uh, I think you know. Sometimes we actually see him as actually pressure testing whether we're a real believer or not. When we've come to Christ already, and 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 that is so far beyond what what Christ is trying to do. God's trying to do. Um, when I understood this point, it was it was breathtaking, and what it meant was that um, so believers will gain joy or confidence in the quote tested residue. The tested residue that's going to be left behind, which is literally the pure gold. The tested residue of our faith that's left behind when we get to the other side of the trial is literally where our joy is, 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 is realized. Because we, we actually can see that, that our faith has been proven and tested as a result of it. And we've walked through it. We've gone through it, and, and, and look what God's done in the, in the middle of it. Um, God, uh, gold is perishable. Turn to James chapter 5, verse 3, just a, a page or two to the left. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 3. Somebody want to read that out loud? Gold and silver have corroded, and they're uh, heaven and Okay, and uh, I won't turn to it, but Matthew 6 says, you know, um, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You know, and that we should lay up treasure that isn't moth-eaten and rust-corruptible. Um, and so, gold is perishable, but one of the questions we had from our questions in the beginning was what makes it better than gold? Proven, what makes proven faith better than gold? And the issue here is that proven faith is eternal. It's eternal in nature. It is eternal in nature. And so, it's, in that way, it's... Proven or tested faith is, is more precious than gold. And I can just see this. I can see this emblazoned upon Peter's soul. How he's sharing his very heart. And we're going to talk more about that today. Um, as to what he's experientially learned in this space um, here. Some examples. Um, Job and the growth in the disciples. Think about Job, right? His situation. you know, And yet he, 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 he steadied on. And and he and he and he was was um, his, his faith was confident in God through it. Um, think of the disciples. We won't go through these verses here, but uh, Matthew eight twenty six literally says Jesus is saying to the disciples at the beginning of his ministry, "Your faith is weak. Your faith is weak." You know, and then you get to Mark fourteen fifty, and this is when Christ is being. Uh, put before the high priest and, it, and, and there's one line it basically says the verse it says and all were with him fled and all who were with him fled fled for their very lives that is not very strong faith right and then you get to Acts 5.41 let's turn there Acts 5.41 if somebody's got that go ahead and read it out loud Acts 5.41 counting, counting words so what was going on there What was going on there? Apostles were arrested. And so they've just gone from 
And all, all of them fled away to rejoicing in the fact that they could be counted worthy to suffer for His name's sake. Wow. Wow. That is transitioning and transforming my confidence in God through the trials they went through. Definitely. Um, how many in this room have read the book Safely Home by Randy Alcorn? <coughs> Let me tell you, if you have not read this book, I so highly recommend this book for what we're going through in this, in this study. Oh my goodness. It is a fiction book, but you, I'll tell you what, there are very few books in my life that have transformed my thinking more than this book. It is amazing. And next week, I'm, I'm going to introduce you to it this week. And next, Safely Home, Safely Home, Randy Alcorn, uh-huh, and uh, <clears throat> the two key characters here are Ben Fielding and Lee Kwan. Ben Fielding represents every one of us in this room, self-absorbed, American, you know, grown up with an expectation of having this forever, and, uh, and in, in the world's eyes, relatively successful. Um, and, and Lee Kwan is Chinese and uh, came to the United States to, um, to uh, go through school, met Ben Fielding, developed a relationship. Ben Fielding is, was a, um, an atheist, agnostic, didn't know the Lord. Lee Kwan went back to China, and the story is the convergence of their lives. And uh, uh, it's really not about Ben Fielding and Lee Kwan. Uh, it's really about the interaction of the spiritual realm and the glory of God in the midst of trials. It's an amazing book, and we'll interact with it next week more. But one of the things that Lee Kwan, his father was killed um, by, by the, by the um, communists um, for his faith in Christ. Uh, Lee Kwan is a, is a, is a, uh, a watch, watchmaker, watchmaker, yeah, and uh, lowly man, and uh, and you get a picture behind the scenes of the church in China, and and how when persecution comes, how this is going to interact, and uh, uh, powerful. But Lee Kwan, Lee Kwan's father, when he was, before he died, shared with him a quote that I want to share with you because it became Lee Kwan's um, kind of theme for his life. His theme for his life was two things. One was, um, when I wake up this day, is this the day that I will die? You know, I don't know about you, but um, would you change things today if, that, if you knew that was the case? Alexander the Great hired a person who his only goal in his entire life was to come before him on a daily basis and tell him, to, uh, Alexander the Great, one day you're going to die. And that made him make different decisions. Um, the second theme in Lee Kwan's life was this. Purest gold need not fear the flames. Purest gold need not fear the flames. When you think about that in our, in our lives, what, what does that mean? What does it mean when we say purest gold feet, uh, need not fear the flames? Okay? Draw out. Take down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what God's after in our souls, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Turn with me to 1 Peter 5, verses 10 and 11. Would somebody read that out loud? Amen. So this is the, this is the great hope that Lee Kwan lived his life with. And I, I won't share with you the end, but we'll talk more about it next week. Um, Purest gold need not fear the flames. Well, I'll tell you, in uh, Randy Alcorn's Safely Home book, um, uh, he dedicates it to some individuals that are pretty powerful. And this is his dedication page. Notice for a second uh, that on all, all the first four of these, the last name is the same. Stains. Um, George, would you read uh, the first one? Graham Stain left his home in Oslapers in India. Linda, would you read the second one? John, would you read the third one? To said to all India, I am not tired that each citizen... Mandy, the next one? Let me just let, let that sink in for a second. Wow. Wow. To the hundreds of men and women and children killed for Christ every single day. Ignored by the world. But here's the great news. Watched by the eyes of heaven. 
heaven says those are the, those of whom the world is not worthy. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter eleven. Hebrews chapter eleven, verse thirty-two. And what shall I say? Time will fail me if I talk of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Verse 35, women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured, not accepting their release in that in, in order that by they, they might obtain, quote, a better resurrection. And the idea is a far better one. And others experienced mocking and scourging and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They, were, they went about in sheepskins, uh, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated. And here you go. Men of whom the world was not worthy. Amen. Amen. Wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground, all these having gained approval through their faith did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Amen. Well, second possible outcome, he says he starts with may be found to result in praise and glory at the honor and the revelation of Jesus Christ. I have a little uh, quote that you see in the top right here and that is that everything counts. Everything counts. Everything counts. So my response to trials can store up honor from God. Can store up honor from God. Um, I'm not going to read these verses due to time, but God sees everything. Second Chronicles chapter 9, 16, verse 9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for men and women whose hearts are completely His. Um, yeah. God sees everything. He knows what's going on. All the decisions we make are observed by God. All the motivations of our heart are understood by God. All the responses we take to trials in our lives are acknowledged by God. All of them. So God sees everything. God remembers everything. He is omniscient and will remember everything He sees. He will remember everything He sees. And it says here that we... It says, Our actions may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor. So what is praise? So first of all, God rewards everything also. Praise here is what God will uh, uh, what God will speak highly of to others regarding our faithfulness. What God will speak highly of to others regarding our faithfulness. I would suggest in the midst of trials. I mean, that's where our faithfulness is shown, right? So he's going to speak highly of us about this in the future. Can you imagine that? Like, let me, God, can you imagine, like, God saying, you know, let me, let me brag on, uh, was it uh, Gladys Staines? You know, let me brag on her. Let me tell you about her. Can you imagine that, that happening in the future? Wow. Glory. Glory is, that, is the Christ-likeness that God is going to endow upon us. The Christ-likeness that God is going to endow upon us. Um, we see that in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. He says what? You know, uh, uh, beloved, you know, um, you know, when, when uh, you know this, that when we see him, we will be what? Like him. Um, we will be like him. Christ likeness. And then the next is honor. Honor. Honor is the rewards that God's going to give us. Honor is the rewards that God's going to give us. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews 10, uh, verse 32. Hebrews 10, 32. Hebrews 10.32. Uh, would somebody read verses 32 uh, through 30? Let's do 35 out loud. Partly by, being, partly by becoming share property, that you have for yourselves a better possession than the last... Okay. Do not throw away your confidence, which you have a great reward. So, as you see through here, he's, the, the author of Hebrews is saying is that God sees all of these things that have been happening to you and how you've navigated them. And why you navigated them was because you, you, you desired a better possession, a more abiding one. And so his point here is that um, uh, God sees these things and he's coming to reward them. Look at verse uh, 36. He says, For you have needed of a need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you might receive what was promised. Yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. 
So he gives us that great hope of what's coming here. Um, let's take a look at Second uh, John uh, verse eight. Second John verse eight. Second John verse eight. Somebody want to read that out loud? Watch yourselves so that you not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Okay, that you may win a full reward. Turn to the end of uh, Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verse 12. He says, Revelation 22, 12 says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Every man according to what he has done. So all our right, all our right responses to trials in our lives will be rewarded by, by, by God. All of them. All of them will be rewarded by Him. So when will this happen? Well, he says here, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this is at the second coming of Christ. At the second coming of Christ. It's when this will take place. Um, it's the second coming of Christ. Well, I obviously am not going to get through this piece also. So um, <laughs> we, will, we will take a break after this next one. And, uh, and we'll just, it'll be what it is. Because God's doing this. So, um, so let's take a look at, at the next one. 8a, it says, And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. So let me talk to you about the third of these specific outcomes. I can experience intimacy with God in my trials. I can experience intimacy with God in my trials. What in the world does intimacy with God mean? What does that mean? I mean lots of us probably talk about this a lot, but what does it mean? Yeah. Okay. Strong relationship. Okay. What? Anybody else? Love Him more than anything else. Yes. Full dependency on Him. Strong bi-directional interactions going on. Yeah. Bonded, glued together. Um, yeah. Good. Okay? So, love and trust are two jugular ingredients in any meaningful relationship. Is that right? For my relationship with my wife, if I do not have... If I'm not growing in love and growing in trust, you can't have... Trust is not a one-way street. And love is not a one-way street. Both are bi-directional. And so, um, when you think about intimacy with God, one of these things he says here is that um, you have not seen Him, you love Him. You do not see Him now, but you believe in Him. This, these two verbs here are literally verbs that have to do with the present tense. He's saying in the midst of your trials, you are in the process of learning how to love Christ. It's like, well, I thought this was about me. <laughs> no, it's about, yeah, it's about me, but it's about me learning how to love Christ in the midst of it. Okay? So, um, this is where I want to close with here and, and talk about this one. So, turn with me to John chapter 21. Turn to me, with me to John 21. Would you say that when Christ's resurrection, Christ's death uh, occurred, that... Peter and the disciples were in a pretty big trial, right? Yep, crisis of faith, crisis of everything. So we come to chapter 21 of John, and, uh, and we see in verses 1 through 2 uh, the impatience of Peter. It says, after these things, Jesus manifested himself again. This word again is, we're going to find this whole passage is talking about the third time he's going to manifest himself to his disciples. The third time. And he says, and they were together, Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Well, what's wrong with that statement right now? What had the disciples been told to do? Wait, where? In Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem. So what is it with Peter going, excuse me, Lord, you know, I'm going to go back to what I used to do. I'm going up, I'm going up to Galilee, okay? You okay with that? Isn't that, isn't that interesting? I'm going to go fishing. Well, th- I th- Peter, I thought you were a disciple. <laughs> I thought you were a disciple of Christ. You're going to go back to what you used to do. The way you used to navigate life. In fact, you are being impatient here and... And you're just taking it upon yourself. 
Well, think about ourselves in, in the midst of trials for a second. Now, isn't that a normal thinking process? I'm going to take this up on myself. I'm going to navigate this my own way. I'm going where I think it should go. Right? I'm impatient because I don't want to bear up underneath. Right? Well, interesting enough, the decisions of my heart when I'm in a trial actually have a halo effect around those around me. And look what happens here. Peter's, the other disciples, because Peter's a leader, back to this testimony issue, right? Says what? Well, we'll come along with you. So we'll, we'll sin with you, okay? <laughs> we're we're, we're going to come along and sin with you, all right? Uh, and they got in the boat that night and they caught nothing. What a great thing that God is about doing. How many of us are in the midst of a trial? We do our own things, and what comes? Frustration, failure, nothingness, and we're left with ourselves. That's what's happening. I love the word but, verse 4. But. (laughs) But. What? When the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Isn't it amazing that when Jesus shows up, like, like, our perspective changes? Like, all of a sudden, like, oh, I wasn't taking you into consideration at all here, you know? (laughs) I didn't didn't know that you were around listening and watching and, and paying attention. Yeah, I am. I am. And he says, "Uh, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. So they had no recognition, discernment going on, right? How, when we're in the midst of a, of a difficult dis, uh, trial, everything's gray. What is discernment? It's about breaking grayness and fog into black and white and knowing the right way to walk. That's what discernment is. The disciples had no discernment. They couldn't discern who He was. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you not have any fish? And He answered them, No. Well, as if He didn't know, right? He's just wanting them to submit. Like, like, figure out who I am and bow down. Isn't that what God wants in our trials? Bow down. Be still. Know I'm God. And he said, children. Isn't that interesting? Children. You do not have any fish, do you? They said, no. He said, cast your, cast your cat, uh, boat, uh, your, your nets on the other side. And they cast and weren't able to haul it in because of the large number of of fish. And you see this fruitfulness that comes from making a decision to follow in obedience with God is amazing. And all that fruitfulness of, of all this fish like just comes out in our in our in, in our trial situation. Now we have the capability to navigate the trial rightly and, and fruit arises out of it. Hebrews eleven verse six says what? How do we please God? Without faith. And faith, faith is a decision we make that says, I'm going to trust. I'm going to bear up underneath the situation. And when I do that, all of a sudden, springing into existence is faith. We want to please God? Demonstrate faith. In the midst of the trial. That's how God is pleased. When we make a decision to trust Him, that's when faith rises up into existence and fruit in our life, is manifested. They had a full, full, full net of fish. And here's the thing I don't want you to miss right here. Verse 12. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples ventured to question Him. Come and have breakfast. What is breakfast? Fellowship. That's intimacy. That's intimacy with God. See, Christ meets us in the midst of our trials and He, and he beckons to us to come and have fellowship with Him intimacy with Him in the midst of the trial. He's, he wants to be with us in the midst. So, I can learn to love. I can also learn um, on this whole issue to trust. He says he's, you are in the process of believing your faith in Him. And so when we think about trust, what's the thing He's doing here? Um, he, says to, to, to John, uh, he says to John, what? Do you love me? Do you love me? And do you love me, right? Three different times, three different loves. But what is he getting at? He's getting at this first point. In the midst of the trial, do you want, to, do you want me to be God? Or do you want to take control? When you, when, I, when you let me be God, you demonstrate your love to me. And love is bidirectional. And so his point is, in the midst of this, he's trying to get Peter to like recognize... 
that he's not loving like he needs to. And then secondly, you learn to trust. So the three questions that come out of here is, do you love me? But then you get to verse 18. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wish. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will gird you and bring you to where you do not wish. And he said this signifying what kind of death he would glorify God with. And when he spoke, he said, follow me. So do you love me is, is in the here and now. But now he brings up what's going to happen then and there. Do you know that Peter had to live his whole life knowing that he was going to be crucified upside down? Or knowing at least this, this is a death that he was going to have to uh, follow the Lord in? Do you think it takes a lot of trust and faith in God to be able to live your whole life knowing that this is the destination that, you're, you, that you've been called to by God? Because he felt it was necessary for Peter to do that. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Peter learned how to love. Peter learned how to trust. And in the midst of his great trial, Jesus met him where he was at and took him to where he needed to be. And I would suggest in our lives, same thing's happening. Same thing's happening. Same thing's happening. Yeah. His old ways. Oh. Oh. It must have been just stabbing him in the heart. Stabbing him in the heart. And can you imagine in our trials, when if, if Christ were to talk to us and told us, spoke to us about our old name, our old nature, the way we've always done things, I mean, it would stab me in the heart. You know? So, um, well, I had a lot more planned for today. We'll finish up next week. Um, we'll pause there. Um, so I can, I, can, I can gain confidence with God, right? Um, I can... Uh, experience intimacy with God. Um, my, my responses in my life can store up honor from God and we'll pick up from there next time we get together. Um, Connie, would you do me a favor and pray for us in closing? Father God, we just um, come back to what you spoke that we would um, show us what you have for us to come before you. That would you show us and whatever you have for us now as we join Amen. Go in the grace of God this week.